You are listening to Maine Ties, a podcast of the Maine Community Foundation. I'm Taylor Mace. On March 12, 2020, the reporter Michael Paulson wrote in the New York Times, The adage is synonymous with Broadway itself. The show must go on. And for decades, through wars and recessions and all forms of darkness, Broadway, the heart of America's theater industry and an economic lifeblood for many artists, has kept its curtains up and its footlights on. But on Thursday, facing a widening coronavirus pandemic and new limitations on large gatherings, the industry said it was suspending all plays and musicals for 32 days, effective immediately. As we know now, more than two years later, Broadway's shutdown did not last for just 32 days, but for 444. Theaters and performing artists across the country face the same fate. There are more than 70 theaters and theater companies in Maine that were forced to either shut down completely or find new ways to serve their communities throughout the 18 months or so when the pandemic was at its most dire. My name is Dana Packard and I'm executive director at Saco River Theater, which was founded by uh, my partner Jennifer Porter and myself in 1990. Our resident company is called The Originals and have produced about 85 uh, plays in the 32 years that we've been here. We were uh, three weeks into perform into rehearsals for a play called Mrs. Mannerly by Jeffrey Hatcher and COVID hit and we had shut down and so um that's what we did and we kept um background operations running for a couple more months Uh, but then we had to uh, furlough everybody and we were basically closed for 18 months after that it was really an unusual moment i think we probably like a lot of theater companies really did get a sudden sense that our um, community and society really didn't want us to go away. We're very lucky. Um, over these 32 years, we've um, we have a lot of people who hundreds who give what they can um, on an annual basis. And normally, you know, we can say this year we'll be doing this, this, and this. Um, we hope you'll support us to do that. And that's the way it goes. And with COVID, we had to say, we're not doing anything. Um, Is there any way you would support us anyway? The donations came in as strongly as they ever had. And I think that's what I mean by just real wonderful evidence that the community wanted us to survive this, you know. Um, And the same went um, for grants, including grants from Maine Community Foundation. Um, and others. Basically, there were a lot of um, foundations and individuals out there who really just kind of understood that um, theaters, arts organizations, like restaurants, were just in a very perilous place. The Waldo Theater in Waldoboro is a historic theater built in 1936 that has gone through multiple iterations, from state-of-the-art movie theater to community theater, before falling into disrepair. 
But in 2018, the community rallied to restore the building to its original glory and spent two years raising funding through a capital campaign. Carrie Lupian, president of the board of directors of the Waldo, recalls the anticipation of the theater's grand reopening. The idea was that 2020 was going to be the year that we reopened to the public. We had a whole business plan where 2020 we were going to come back with live music and films and community theater and all sorts of entertainment to help fulfill our mission of connecting our community with the arts and, and bringing performing arts back to Waldeboro and the Midcoast. And of course, the day before shutdown, we had actually planned uh, for a statewide celebration. It was the uh, bicentennial of for Maine. We were going to do a film showing of Carousel, which was filmed down in Booth Bay Harbor. We were going to be showing that and it was going to be kind of like our first welcome back to the Waldo and, and COVID shut us down. And we had to scrap all of our plans and go back and readjust and figure out how we were going to continue to serve our community in this new way. Um, and that was that that took a lot of pivoting. We said, oh my gosh, what are, you know, what are we doing? There were definitely times where we all woke up at two o'clock in the morning and said, what are what are we doing? And we had just brought on um, staff. We had just hired an executive director who had been with us for maybe six months and then COVID hit and we we had to figure out how do we move forward. And the community we really thought that right out of the gates that donations were going to shift, foundation grants were going to shift, and everything was going to going to go to where there was most need, which was at the time food insecurity. And we really thought, like, who's going to really care about a, a, a re you know reopening a, a arts organization, a performing arts organization in Mid Coast Maine? And our community really showed up for us, um, whether that be through volunteers whether that was through donations or foundations, people really rallied around the cause and, and saw that eventually we were gonna we were gonna reopen and people would want to gather together to celebrate music and theater and children and all of these things. And it was really important to our community to have this space ready and available so that when we could gather, we were able to do it. Um, and and I think a lot of people recognize too that uh, the economic impact that having a successful arts venue in uh, downtown Waldeboro would have. So I think we were really heartened by how many people came up and, and showed up for us and, um, and really contributed in a big way. And, and how that changed for us is the, the silver lining for us at the time was that while we were planning on being open for 2020 with a full slate of programs, we hadn't quite yet finished all of our uh, renovation work. So because we didn't have to open to the public and we were going to switch to more virtual programming, we were able to spend a little bit more time doing some of the finer details of the renovation work that we had started. One of the things that uh, that our executive director at the time, Kate Fletcher, proposed to us, which was it was brilliant, uh, was we were installing in March, we were installing new technology upgrades for audiovisual. And she said, guys, what do you think about installing cameras so that we can stream so that we can stream out to our community and then also stream in and we realized that in the short term that was going to be a really great solution for covid so we could have virtual programming of which we had several that year where we could invite people in their homes to watch a concert and 
um, and it, that was it was great on that end. But we also realized too that that it was going to be it was going to serve us well in the future when we wanted to connect with members of our community that either um, were only seasonal residents and couldn't couldn't attend something in person or grandparents, uh, people that, that lived away that had family members perhaps performing in a uh, in a show, or there are people in our community who don't have transportation, who aren't able to make it to the theater. So, so installing those cameras for us represented a way for us to connect with our community in a different level that we didn't anticipate pre-COVID. And once we had that in place, we were able to think about what kind of programming could we have safely. I think our first concert was maybe September of 2020 um, with Oshima Brothers, who's a local uh, duo from Whitefield. And it was just, it was them. It was a tech person. And I think it was the uh, the lighting person, the and maybe, you know, the sound person and the audio person and the, the lighting guy who was there in the theater. And it was such a strange experience to only have five people in this theater that seats 300 but we streamed it out and I remember going on the YouTube channel and there were people from Colorado and from Minnesota and from New York and New Jersey and all of these people watching because they were either fans of Oshima or they had visited Maine or they spent the summer here. But we were able to connect with so many people using that that type of a platform that it just it felt really good. And it, it felt like you could still tell that people, no matter what, people cared about the arts and people wanted to connect and people wanted to enjoy music. And yes, it wasn't ideal because you're not sitting in a room elbow to elbow with people listening to music, but you're still participating. So for the first, I'd say um, that those six months of programming from September of 2020 to late winter, early spring of 2021, we did all of our programming virtually. And it wasn't until uh, June of last year that we were able to open to the public and invite them into the space in real time to sit down and enjoy a performance with us. It was clear that the arts in Maine remained a priority for audiences and funders throughout the pandemic, which allowed the theaters to remain viable and plan for in-person reopenings. Luckily, there are people and there are entities um, such as um, foundations that really do understand the arts in, in our country and our culture are absolutely dependent upon the support of the individuals, corporate sponsors. And I think it may be that in a, I won't call it a post-COVID world, but a post-acute COVID world to the more um, chronic <laughs> COVID um, situation, I think a broadening of public awareness of the need for um, outside support, uh, creative ways to um, render arts organizations stable in such a way that their attention can be focused on what they're they're supposed to be doing, um, as opposed to sort of scrambling full-time to stay uh, alive. Um, That's I think it's a, I think, as I say, there there are people and entities who fully understand that. Um, but I think that we may start to see more theaters kind of falling away because they're re- really operating right on that edge of one way or the other, very much like the restaurant industry 
which is a whole other thing that I don't fully understand. And it may be that they have it even tougher because they're, 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 they really do kind of are expected to make more than they um, put out. <laughs> and there's not going to be any kind of safety net or even an argument that can be made. I can write letters to people and say, geez, you know, this is how it is. We had a stretch there where everyone seemed to understand how tough it is to run a theater. <laughs> the irony is, it wasn't a whole lot tougher than it always is in some ways, except for the fear of people getting sick, you know, and obviously the being attentive to the difficulty that the entire society and world is going through. But from a day-to-day -day running a theater um, standpoint, um, it was almost like there was a sudden uh, sense that, oh, this is actually a kind of a perilous thing when it sort of always uh, had been <laughs> and, and, and is again in its, in its own way. Um, so yeah, I think that's, the, that's part of the, the challenge. And I think maybe it, yeah, if, I think if, if the COVID situation showed me anything, it really was that once there's this real recognition that you need help, you know, out came the arms to catch you kind of. You know, so that's that's quite, quite wonderful. For the Waldo, outreach into different corners of the community fulfilled part of its mission in a way they hadn't anticipated. We realized pretty early on that in addition to offering community theater and live music and films, the uh, a component that was a really big part of our mission was youth education. And we were really lucky to meet up with Mia Branco, who um, was a transplant from Massachusetts who had lots of experience doing youth theater arts, performing arts with like a, a social emotional connection. And she, she and I, uh, we worked together to, to come up with it and Kate worked together to come up with an education plan where we went in to uh, third, fourth, fifth grade schools in our school district and, and taught a theater class. And, and that was really difficult because you're, you're going into a classroom and you're teaching a theater class with kids and everyone's masked. And that was, we thought that was gonna be really challenging, but we realized that the children were so hungry for that kind of interaction and the teachers loved it. And it was, it was such a, it was such a great experience. I think we all realized like, oh, this is, this is what's really important to, in our area, this kind of, um, youth arts education where in a time where it's hard to read people's facial expressions because we have these masks on and we spend so much of our time looking down at some sort of a device to be able to connect with children where there's eye contact and there's projection and there's public speaking skills and there's there's body language and to be able to to work with children and how to use that and feel confident with that, regardless of whether they ever decide to go on and perform in a play or, or do anything with theater, it, it, we realized we were tapping into a program that had a, had a lot of potential. So this summer, we've, we did a summer camp and this fall we're expanding with an after school uh, program for, um, middle to high school students uh, with other teaching artists in the area where we're gonna offer a, a bunch of different um, skills 
to youth that all kind of center on this social, emotional, performing arts learning. We don't want to just be a venue where it's a transactional relationship, right? Where people, they buy a ticket, they come, they sit down, they enjoy a performance, and then they go home. We really want to be seen as more of an organization. The Maine Community Foundation supports the arts through the generosity of donors and several grant programs, including the Maine Theatre Fund. For more information, visit maincf.org. everyone. Happy summer in Maine. This is Laura Young, VP of Philanthropy at the Maine Community Foundation. I wanted to make sure you know that you are invited to join us on Tuesday, August 23rd at a welcome reception in Portland for our new president and CEO, Deborah Elwood. Details and registration can be found on our website at maincf.org slash reception. We hope to see you there.